Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Cynthia Chapel. Cynthia is an innovative scientist, an advocate for black girls and women, and also advocates for high-level STEM learning to be a reality for all of our children. Hello, darling. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to you. I love what you're doing. And 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 tell me about, you know, okay, so black girls do STEM. Yes. So, like, what ages are you yes. talking to about STEM? So, I talk to people about STEM for all ages. Nice. However, specifically, Black Girls Who STEM targets middle school and high school age girls, and of course, continuing with those girls throughout their collegiate and professional careers. Really? Yes. So, we start with middle school, which is sixth grade. Okay. And then, when, like, so these are girls that are kind of leaning toward that science mm-hmm. all that good science stuff. And instead of of them not knowing or seeing mm-hmm. people that look like them yeah. in STEM, you're there going, look, you if you want to go Absolutely. be a scientist, let's go yeah. figure out how to get you to be a scientist. Absolutely. This is for all. Any black girl, right? If you're interested in art, if you're interested in dance, if you're interested in math, if you're interested in science, it's really about that sort of engagement and access and sort of like getting those middle schoolers into a STEM program, getting them excited about STEM and really helping them realize that the things that they actually are interested in and the problems they want to solve and the ways they want to engage with their community and the greater, you know, global community has to do with STEM and it's all interconnected, right? So it's not like the girls is like, I love math and science. We want all girls to have access to opportunity to enter into our program. Oh, nice. Okay, so how <clears throat> do they enter into the program? Like, what what are the, do they have to have certain qualifications or is it just, I'm interested? Yeah, it could be, I'm interested. It could be a parent, like, I'm looking for something for my child. We have a lot of girls that come on the first day and they're not that interested. It's like <laughs> their parents sign them up and they have to be here. But we like to believe that by the end of the day, we've worked them in. You've and got, you they, they're through. seeing the light. They're going, oh, all right. right. I then do want to be the here. they next month, and it's a little bit more edging on. But I would say in the first three months of the eight-month program, girls are kind of hook, line, and synced into the idea of having fun <laughs> with us on Saturdays, right? Um, but we recruit specifically in target schools, school zones and target zip codes strategically in the region. However, we accept girls from all over the region. And our really big qualifier, of course, we have our target zip codes based on socioeconomics and based on the demographics of folks in those communities targeting low-income, majority African-American communities. Yes. But our big qualifier beyond that is this thing we call first-generation STEM exposed. And we qualify that as a, a student not living in a household with a parent or legal guardian who has a STEM educational background or who works in the STEM workforce. Because we know, right, and a lot of research shows that the number one indicator of a girl's post-secondary success is role models and access to folks who look like them, who come from their neighborhoods, who they have deep relationship with that are also in the STEM fields, right? Got ya. So these are these are girls that just, they don't have that. They don't right. they don't see that. They don't have that that mentor in right. their life. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. That's awesome. All right. So you do this every Saturday with them? Yeah, so we have four 
um, in-person cohorts and one virtual cohort. And so students meet once a month on a Saturday for eight months. Okay. Um, But our program, because we have four in-person cohorts, we meet four Saturdays out of the month. Oh, wow. You're busy. Yes, very, very busy. (laughs) So this is our first year. We have um, five um, program facilitators, and so we have co-facilitation teams, and so our co-facilitation teams are meeting anywhere from um, one to two times a month with the different cohorts. Gotcha. So what are you doing Monday through Friday then? What a, <laughs> since your Saturdays are a little recording <laughs> podcast interviews and you know doing talks and so I just actually um, this morning met with one of our funders right and and said you know I spent a lot of time talking with people about our program design working through um, implementation of new things um, we just hired a program manager so onboarding new staff members um, really building the internal organizational culture I think I've been so hands on for the last three years of building the operational sort of ground game of the organization that it's going to be really interesting me onboarding new employees and building in new systems around like that internal culture of like how we feel about Black Girls System and how we work as I become no longer the only full-time staff member, right, as we build out a more robust team. So That's I think a lot leaning, of work in and of itself, yeah, building out a team. Yeah, leaning into these different roles, mm-hmm. I think, is what I spend most of my time doing these days. You are a busy <laughs> human being. All right, so tell me about this. Where, When did you wake up and say, I am going to start this because this is very necessary? I really didn't. I really didn't. That never happened. Um, For me... I never thought that I was going to be running a nonprofit organization, right? And I say that because I think sometimes we don't know what the vehicle for us to live in our purpose will be. Right. Right? I just knew that this was something on my heart and this felt like purpose for me beyond just making an income. I was a full-time working industrial chemist. Had a job, loved doing research, right? And so there was something propelling me into this as purpose and not as work, right? Right. And and I think the nonprofit organization and the vehicle, right, the structure by which to do that came out of my desire to give back specifically to black girls, specifically to black communities. And what I had was this love of science and this love of STEM and this curiosity that felt like joy, that felt like um, place and space for me to be me. And so I just wanted to give that back because that's what I had to give, right? And if I want to help sort of build black community and build black space and agency for black girls, um, the nonprofit just became a good way to organize this sort of purpose-driven thing that I wanted to do. Got Yeah, I love it. Well, all right, so who is your mentor? Um, I have a lot of mentors. And so I think about my first mentor. I think about a program I was in. When I think about like the first like real live mentor, I have awesome educators in in sort of elementary school. I remember my fourth grade teacher is is how and why I fell in love with math. And I just had educators that believed big of me um, in that early educational experience. But in high school, there was one specific um, engineer who I met who was in a graduate program at Purdue University at the time when I was in high school in Indiana, and she was a NASA engineer, and she worked for NASA only nine months out of the year. And I remember her saying at that point, 
she worked only nine months out of the year and she made like a ridiculous amount of money and she still also had like three months off like teachers. And I think I was sold and I was like, okay, so right, where's yeah. now? How so do, I, how do, I, do that? I do that? <laughs> get get me on that program. This engineering thing, <laughs> tell me more, say more. But up until that point, I always kind of loved science, right? I always, it was more biology and then a little bit of chemistry, but math was like the thing that I was really good at. And so when it came to college and I had to choose between biology and chemistry, I think I chose chemistry because it was more math and biology was more reading. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to read all of these textbooks. Gotcha. Chemistry, I can, you know, weed and wade in that. Um, And then just like, I just think about undergrad and having really strong relationships with counselors and professors. I think about graduate school and having a really good close relationship with my PI, even though like, oh, she was crazy at times. And it was like, oh, I don't even (laughs) want to talk to you right now. She was also a person who I could go to and really like just say things out loud to in the space of a researcher. And then I think now as an entrepreneur, I think of women like Nicole Alawade, who I'm really good friends with, who's a local entrepreneur here in St. Louis, who serves as a mentor and thinking about how to be a woman in business and, and all of these just great people throughout the years. And also just like folks that I don't necessarily know, but you know of. And I right. think sometimes just like knowing that there's people out there that have built great organizations. Um, Um, You think about Black Girls Code and those type of organizations that it's been done, even if you don't know those people directly, it's definitely someone to look up to. I love it. And it's and it, and it's so <clears throat> necessary right now. There's so many companies mm-hmm. that are looking for diversity in the STEM space. Mm-hmm. Um and you I mean I hear about it all the time. You know, they're like we don't have we don't have women here. We don't you know yeah. like we we need to d- get more diversity. Yeah. And I and I my hope is because I know that this is a big push right now in the working world. My hope is that it is actually working, mm-hmm. you know, because um, it you need all those different brains and perspectives in order to really mm-hmm. have a vibrant organization. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're all working toward this. I wonder if it's really working. Do you have any thoughts on it? Do you see it working in the in that in organizations or Yeah, you know, I can't really speak because I don't I don't think I've personally worked at an organization that had a significant sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion focus okay. that were really doing anything transformational. Um, in, in my, you know, career and in places that I've worked locally and other places. But I will say what I think is is true is is that I'm hearing less stories of lack of inclusivity, right? So I think what's happening is we at least see companies changing exclusionary policy. Gotcha. So it might not necessarily be inclusion yet, but at least we're removing this very real exclusionary barrier from how we practice and the policies that we have on, in, in place. And I think those things are two different things, right? It's one thing to say, like, we no longer want to be exclusionary. Right. But it's a whole different thing to say, okay, then how do we actually put practices in place that foster true inclusion and belonging. And so I think we're at least at the conversation where like, no, these very structural things and burial things that are and have been exclusionary are being removed, but we haven't quite jumped to, okay, so what are the real policies and practices of inclusion? 
I think I, I'm I'm agreeing with you on that. I think that it it feels like it's moving in the right mm-hmm. direction. Yeah. And the conversations are there mm-hmm. and the the want is there. Now it's a matter of how do we how do we really bring this Right. Home. How do we really bring this back? Because it's one thing to say, okay, here are these structural barriers and, and real things that are removed. Now we have the people in place, but then there has to be some intentionality on yes. how do we bring this group who may have been used to the exclusionary things in with this new group of folks that we claim that we want to also be able to occupy this space safely, right? Because the last thing I want to do is have people going into organizational structures and be harmed, right? right? Exactly. They have to feel safe. And, I, and I'm and i hearing a lot of that too, is that safe. Mm-hmm. Does, does the place that you are showing up for work every day do you feel safe there? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're part of the team? And so, that psychological safety means a, a bunch. It means a ton, right? Yes. And there's a real sense of isolation that I know I have felt this time at times as a black woman. And I know other women have shared with me as well. So there's something to be said about like the, the ways in which we really promote the inclusion aspects of togetherness within an organization. I love that you're doing this. And I just, I mean, so it's an eight-month program. Yes. Yes. So talk about the program. Like, what do they learn? What do they do? Yes, yes, yes. So Black Girls Do STEM, our signature program is our STEM Saturday Academy, which is the eight-month community-based program that girls meet in community centers. So it is located sort of outside of the traditional school structure. And they go over specific STEM career pathways, some chosen based upon student interest, because we have a student interest survey that all of our girls take, and then some chosen based upon, like, industry and sector and what we see the future of our our region looking like. So we try to combine those two as like focal areas for how we select content and build upon the program. Um, and so girls go through an eight-month track. Each Saturday, they do three hours of a STEM focal area. For example, this month in April, is like forensic science. And that's like a fan favorite. That's like a student choice category, the forensic science aspect, because like the CIS is- I was going to say, the media has driven that and one. <laughs> I used to want to also, you know, I went to school for forensics. I have actual forensic and investigative science undergraduate degree. Um, and so that's that was our category for this month. They do one hour of mentoring with Black women in STEM. And a part of that hour is like, high-impact role model video and discussion, um, meditation, and then a get-to-know-you or hands-on type of activity that's more for social and personal development. Again, fostering those meaningful relationships with trusted adults, right? right? that are in STEM, that can share their real experiences, that's just a little bit more relatable because these are black women that sometimes grew up in the same communities as you, right, that went to the same schools as that you currently go to, right? And so that relatability and that familiarity. And then we do 30 minutes of a social-emotional learning topic, and that curriculum is created by a licensed clinical social worker. So we do topics like social media. So girls might be talking about how do you responsibly as a middle schooler Oh, that is so good. Because, I mean, that is an education that everybody needs, quite frankly. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, bullying and emotional management and like boundaries and relationships, because you're all, you know, you're in this age of development, a stage of development where like friendships and relationships mean a lot to middle schoolers. And one week we're on, the next week we're off. And so how do we like really give that social awareness of self and help girls navigate all of these feelings? Yeah, (laughs) that is, oh, I love that. I mean, that, that should be a part of the 
the curriculum for every school out there. Yeah. Because that's a tough time. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough time. You're you're trying to figure out who you are and be, you're dependent and independent. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mm-hmm. like wanting to be more independent, but you're still dependent. And yep. Navigating the friendships, that was, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the format. And so, like, next month in May, we have GIS as our focal er- focus area for the STEM content. And okay, we'll what's GIS? I do Geospatial know. Information ah, System. All right. Um, so, our good friends at NGA, one of yep. our mentors, is um, works at NGA. And so, I'm super excited for the activity that she's going to do with girls. And then we're in partnership with, the, with a grant from the St. Louis Community College to actually help us put together the curriculum that the girls will engage through. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Cynthia, you're doing amazing things. Yeah, so well, I'm super excited for me. Tell everybody how to find out more. Yeah, so you can follow us on um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BGDSTEM. So BGD STEM is sort of our handle and our hashtag um, BGD STEM. And then also our website is www.bgdstem.com. Um, you can also look on our website um, for any updates, join our mailing list so that you can stay in the know, um, feel free. Also, make a donation to our work, of course, and that can be found on the website. But you just stay in touch with us via social media, via our mailing list and our website. We are actively still allowing middle school 6th to 8th grade girls into the program until this Saturday, April 30th. And so, if you have anyone that you think may have a child who could be interested um, in being a part of a group like this, feel free to have them sign up before the 30th. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the podcast will go up by them, but they definitely yes, need yes, to like yes. take a look. Take a look. You'll have program after. We'll program. have programs hosted for the year. Uh, we'll have uh, one-off speakers that'll come and talk about things of relevant interest to us that we think our audience will want to hear about. Yeah, so just stay stay in the know. Most of our stuff goes on our social media. I love it. Well, I have some fun questions for Yay. you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Um, as a child, what kind of toys did you play with? Did you have like the microscopes and the telescopes and all of that? I actually did not. Really? Yeah, I didn't have the science chemistry kit as a kid. As a kid, I liked to read a lot. So I was a kid that always had a book and that like when the school book fair came, I wanted a couple dollars because I needed to get another book and I needed to get me some glitter pens. Okay. <laughs> so that was Cynthia. I had all of the collection of glitter pens. I um, love it. The toys I play with, I was kind of like a kid that was really particular about her things. And I actually don't like people touching my things now. Like, in, like if my laboratory, like my space, like don't don't touch my balance, mine, don't touch my instruments. Off. Like, I like leave my it. stuff alone. And so I was that kid, and my <laughs> sister did not like it because I had a younger sister <laughs> that was a stair step under, and an older sister a stair step up. And so I can remember having these like little porcelain glass dolls, and I had this porcelain glass doll collection, and they weren't to be played with; they were just to sit on their little stands and be pretty and be presented. I gotcha. Right? And so, no dressing them up, no taking them out. They no, were their decoration. All. And then it's the same thing when the Brandy doll came out. That was my era. I don't know about everyone else, but Brandy is like an icon. It was a big deal. And so my Brandy doll was the same thing. This doll that you just kind of sit on a stand and you just look at it and it's no, beautiful. And maybe you change the dress out every couple here and there, but you just look the at it. The seasons. You just don't really play with it. <laughs> um 
when I think about toys I play with, I was more of a puzzle type of kid. Okay. I really like to do puzzles, read books. I mean, I had the little, I think that that was the onslaught of the little scooter toys where you could have the remote control, like scooter doll. And I remember yep, yep. having that toy and loving it and loving it. Um, but, you know, we were kids. Hey, go outside, get on your bike and ride a bike. And don't come back in this house unless you stand in the house. So, like, you, you either outside or you inside type right, of house. Right, And, you know, just, just a kid that played outside was a somewhat of a tomboy. Like, I played football with the boys. Like, we always played five football on the block in the neighborhood. I played basketball. I was, like, very much a tomboy. And then, like, middle school age, at your puberty, you know, I had— pimples and acne <laughs> all the, and I was, all the lovely things that you know, come with that <laughs> you know all the things and so I, I was very very much not a girly girl at all until like maybe junior year of high school when I realized that I was maybe a little cute or something <laughs> way cute by yeah. the way all right are you ready for this one yes I'm gonna do my best on this Cynthia I want to know what this means I saw it on your LinkedIn application of polymeric quaternary Ammonium suffectant? Yes. Clay intercalates? Calates? Calates? Intercalated. Inter- oh, my gosh. I knew I was going to need help. In triphase catalysis B, effect of various compatibilibrilla? Compatibilibrilla? Compatibilizing? In polymorph clay. Nanocomposites. What? What is this? What? I'm reading this going, well, here's something she did. What does that mean? Yeah. So essentially, triphase catalysis is sort of like a catalytic reaction um, to convert one starting material to a second started material, right? And it has implications and applications across a lot of different industries and sectors. So what we were trying to do is have this reaction happen within a clay structure. Okay. Right? And so how cool would it be if we were able to use like, you know, sort of like control this me- tr- a control mechanism for re- for this reaction to happen by hosting it in sort of a clay composite. Um, and so that was one part of the research, which just like how effective can you do this reaction um, in, you know, in situ, right, in, in the in the polymer matrix um, to get from point A to point B. And then the next piece of that was like then actually synthesizing polymer clay nanocomposites, right? Okay, now we have this um, this polymer structure. We have this clay reinforcing agent, and it's a material chemistry. It's material engineering. It has implications in like auto and OEM applications. When you think about the big four F-150, America's favorite truck. Yes, okay. You know, most of that body of that vehicle is now made out of composite materials, if you know it. Gotcha. It's not just metal, right? It's not just steel. It's some type of polymer material. And so how do you reinforce these materials to increase strength, increase mechanical durability, increase flexibility, right? So we don't have brittle parts that crack, that break, right? And so the implications, again, are to a lot of different industries. And so that was the next piece of my research as a graduate student was actually synthesizing and making these sort of polymer clay composites and then looking at the structure. Right. And the structure is going to determine the properties. Right. How these things come together to form 
determines that durability, that flexibility, that brittleness, and those sorts of things. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at your intelligence on these things because I'm the creative person. So for me, like, I'm just like, really? I can't even imagine. I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. I would be like, I don't know. Here's some clay. What do you want me to do with this now? Yeah. So we took some clay. And it's it's other, you know, like just any sort of reinforcing inorganic material. All type of minerals are used in these type of applications. So it's about understanding the best formulas to give you the best product for the application. So that your Ford F-150 doesn't fall apart while it's driving along. What does that need to do? What does that cab need to be able to do in that truck versus what what does a material? need to be able to do in the consumer electronic may be very, very different. So understanding the range. Well, thanks for helping me out with how to say that because I'm telling you, I kind of practiced it and obviously I needed to practice more. So one of the things that I always ask people and, you know, I mean, the people that are on my podcast are people that are notably kind, that are doing kind things for Mm -hmm. this world, which you are obviously doing. But just a top of mind kindness that you witnessed, received, you've given, just something that happened recently or just top of mind? Top of mind kindness. Oh, I don't know why this isn't coming up at the top of my mind. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it could it's, be from when you were a kid, now a recent student that you're working with. I think when I think like top of mind kindness, I don't know. I think of so many people. I, I don't I don't I don't know if I can't pinpoint like one specific thing, but like I think about a mentor of mine or maybe an advisor, I don't know what to call him. And and maybe two weeks ago, I don't know why I was so anxious. I don't remember what was going on, but in though he's a person that will just randomly reach out and send me a text message and say, like, you're gonna do great today. Right. And even if you don't do great today, show yourself grace. Right. Like just like and and I have so many people in my life that just shoots those constant reminders of like you're doing a great thing and you're doing great at it and just continue to like know that and reinforce that for me. Because I think those people know that sometimes you just really struggle with like the work and getting it done. And when you can't get things done and I kind of used to be a perfectionist, as I like to say, I'm no longer a perfectionist. That's good. That's a tough gig, the perfectionist Um, thing. So, you know, so I think those people that just lift me up, um, that's that was awesome. just one off text messages. That's amazing though. That's calls. that's so I mean, how nice, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz we all like that acknowledgement and that you're being seen. Mm-hmm. Somebody is watching what yeah. I'm doing. Oh, and another thing is at the nail salon yesterday, it was a lady sitting next to me and she was on the phone and she was coming to get a pedicure. And she was saying, "Hey, this is me celebrating 30 days sober." And I don't know I don't know why I was eavesdro- I wasn't really eavesdropping on her conversation, but I said, "Well, congratulations and uh, on your sobriety." Yeah, you know? and we started talking. She's like, "Oh, it's only thirty days," and I just felt compelled to just give her a hug and say, "Look, thirty days is thirty days is thirty days. Thirty days keep is- <laughs> going, celebrate, get that pedicure." Exactly. So that was just another type of mind kindness because it was just like I heard her say that. Then we had like a real quick conversation, and it just was like you just never know what someone else is doing or experiencing. Ex- are going, what's going on? And it's with just them. like. 
Sometimes I forget to celebrate the small wins. And so I think in hearing her say that I'm getting a pedicure, even if it's been 30 days. And so just wanting her, don't downplay that, right? Like sit here in this chair, enjoy this pedicure and like celebrate. Yes. And know that you deserve it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Cynthia, I appreciate you coming on today and telling everybody about all the amazing things you're doing. Yes, I'm so glad that you had me. I'm excited. I'm always glad to talk to someone like yourself who, again, highlights kindness. Yes, kindness. And it's an important, you know, like what you are putting together and doing for these young women is important. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. All right, everybody. So you know where to go find out more. Uh, You have been listening to Mishmash. Have wonderful days and love you, love you. Bye. Bye.